So that's our core. This week we are going to uh, look at, as you can see, the title, The Characteristics of a Storm. Um, every time a new year comes to an end and we look to a coming year, we have a lot of sometimes regrets of things that we had set out to do and we didn't accomplish. Um, but sometimes we are desperately waiting for that year to come to an end because it was filled with so much tragedy and, and so many obstacles, or as we understand it, so many storms, and, and we're ready for it to come to an end. And so today is the last day of 2017, and so uh, I want us to look forward to 2018. I can tell you personally that this was a rough year for me, and so I'm ready for 2017 to, to be uh, over with. Uh, half the year, you guys know, I vented about it every every week. Amber was at the academy, so I, almost half the year I felt like I wasn't even with my wife. And uh, we had the issues that I spoke about in February uh, where we had the foster kids and some things that rose with that. And it was just a difficult year. And I can tell you that I'm ready for 2017 to end, and, and I'm, I'm just believing 2018 is going to be a great year. Uh, but in order to understand... Uh, what we're looking forward to, we must understand the characteristics of a storm. Because as much as I want 2018 to come, I also realize that 2018 will usher in storms. If we understand what the storms are and we understand its characteristics, then we can understand what God wants to teach us through it. So let me pray and we'll get into that. God, thank you this morning for all that you've done. God, for the beautiful worship that we in chorus have celebrated together. And God, for the trials that we went through in the past year that you brought us through God the obstacles that you strengthen us through and God even the things that we celebrate the miracles that you've done Lord we're just so thankful and grateful as we look forward to another year Lord we ask that you prepare our hearts for the coming storms knowing that through those storms you want to teach us things about you and things about ourselves and so today God we ask that you allow our hearts to be open and our eyes to be Focused in on what you would have us to learn. God, let your anointing be so real this morning as you speak to each and every person's life. And we'll give you glory in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, Being from Florida, we feel like we are experts on storms, right? If you've ever been outside of Florida and you hear how people react to hurricanes, you know that we understand them better than anyone else. When we see a hurricane on the screen, we go... Oh, that's not going to be that bad. We can predict storms better than a meteorologist because we understand storms being from Florida. We understand how they move. We're not the ones freaking out, buying up all the water at the grocery store because we know when we should and when we shouldn't. So being that I'm from Florida and I understand storms, uh, several years back I had the opportunity to go on a deep sea fishing trip. And I'd never been deep sea fishing And I love fishing, so I thought deep sea fishing, even better, bigger fish, right? And so this man that, uh, his kid was in our youth group, and he owned a boat, so he invited us to come out, and uh, it was a little stormy, we weren't sure we were going to go out, but uh, we got there, and he said, you know, the waves are about four to six feet, but it shouldn't be too bad. Well, four to six feet, to me, didn't sound like that much, right? I think four, well, that's shorter than me, that's not a bad thing, and as we got out, where we could no longer see land anymore... Uh, I began to realize that four feet waves are really big. And as the boat went up and down, up and down, everything that I had consumed for breakfast began to rise up within me. 
And I didn't think I could get seasick. The guy asked me, he said, do you get seasick? I said, no, I don't get sick at nothing. And I got seasick, and I was laying in the bottom of the boat, and I wished in that moment that I was dead. I was so sick. And um, finally, it was so choppy, we couldn't do any fishing, and so we ended up going back to the shore. And for the remainder of the day, and even at night when I was going to bed, I just felt my body feeling like I was still in the middle of those waves. And I began to understand through that, that even when storms are brewing, they present unforeseen problems. Now, storms today, what we're going to talk about are the things that we go through in our life. The things that we go through in our life, even when they're brewing, present to us unforeseen things. I didn't speak much about this, but uh, you guys know February, I talked about some of the issues we were facing in foster care. But what you guys didn't know, because I haven't publicly talked about it, was it was three months of living hell for us. It was... Um, they, they were going to interview my wife about domestic violence on me. And, and, and it was just to be pitted and marked as this person, uh, to be uh, cussed out by the, fall, by the real mother, talking about how horrible of a person I am. It was the most trying three months of my life. Uh, every day we didn't know what was going to be said. Nobody communicated anything to us. We had to make the difficult decision to let the kids go back because we couldn't deal with the backlash that was coming from um, all the stuff. And I remember in the midst of that storm, all the emotions that I felt, I questioned where God was. Uh, I know you think, well, you preach, you know where I did. I questioned God, where are you? When I need you the most, where are you? I questioned that. I, I, I realized that my faith wasn't as strong as I thought it was. But in the end, I realized how great God truly was. Um, those are the characteristics of a storm that I want to look at this morning. I want to look at how when we go through things, all of the storms that we face share characteristics that's illustrated in Mark chapter 4. And so if you have your Bibles, if, you'll look at, if you want to turn with me, we'll be in Mark chapter 4, um, verses 35 through 41. All three of us at Noptic Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all record this very same story of Jesus calming a storm. Uh, we're just going to look at Mark because Mark gives the greatest detail of the three as to this story. But this story is of Jesus calming a storm. And so Mark 4 and verse number 40, uh, excuse me, 35. On that day, when evening had come, so on that day, when it had become dark, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And that's Jesus speaking. And leaving the crowd, they took him and, th and with them in the boat, just as he was. Meaning that he hadn't been fed or nothing like that. They didn't shower him off. They just put Jesus in a boat and they were taking him to the other side. And other boats were with him. Now we believe there was only probably four to five disciples in this boat with him. Based on the size of the boats, based on four of the men are actually fishermen who probably owned the boat. So the other disciples and some of the other followers would have been in the other boats. And so here's Jesus in a boat with a handful of disciples as they travel across. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the storm. Excuse me, in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, 
And there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? You know, although the disciples were veteran fishermen, they understood what the Sea of Galilee was all about, that the Sea of Galilee was known for its storms. And so these veteran fishermen would have seen a storm and been like, this is no problem. But this wasn't a storm that they anticipated. Normally they could push out into the Sea of Galilee. They could probably see the way the wind was blowing, understand how the clouds were moving and go, all right, there's a storm coming. We can navigate this. But this seemingly caught them off guard. These knowledgeable fishermen were now in the midst of a storm that they didn't see coming. I think to myself, um, if, if they knew that a storm was coming, would they have pushed into it? But, but here's the unique thing is Jesus knew the storm was coming, right? Because Jesus, who's still fully God, omniscient, omnipotent, he's all-knowing, he would have known that a storm is coming. And so when we tackle this section of Scripture, we have to understand that Jesus allowed them, led them into a storm because he had a greater purpose. So before we even begin to break down the characteristics of the storm, we have to understand that God allows us. Sometimes he allows us to push the boat into the midst of a coming storm because he wants us to learn something. And so through this story, we learn something that we learn even today in the midst of a storm. Now, the Sea of Galilee was really a lake. It wasn't a sea as we think. It's a fresh body of water. It's about 13 miles long, seven to eight miles wide. It's not a big body of water, but it's big enough for them to have it be the major provider of their fish. Uh, it, was, it was a bowl that sat in the valley of some mountains, and it was known for the incredible fishing because of all the fresh water that would flow down the mountains into it. But because it was a bowl in the midst of mountains, it faced storms at the blink of an eye. Because Cold water would push over the mountains and it would meet the hot water that was near, the, near this bowl uh, lake and it was stir storms would form up out of this. So when these winds fuddled down, it would create sudden and violent storms. You know, the first characteristics of a storm is their unpredictability. We see in this story that the storm hits violently and it hits without warning. They would have never pushed into a storm if they knew what was coming. But storms are unpredictable. And in life, the same reigns true. If I told you today that when you leave here, there's going to be a storm waiting for you, you would have second thoughts about leaving here. You would go, well, I don't want to face that. But the same unpredictable storm that they faced is true in our lives today. A storm hits violently. And without warning, I know that I have never heard someone say about a tragedy, I am so glad that I saw that coming. Right? You've never met somebody who was telling you about some tragic thing they went through and they go, I'm so glad that I saw that coming, right? Because it came out of nowhere. It was an unpredictable storm. Instead of hearing people say, I'm so glad I saw that coming, we hear, uh, we get a phone call that informs us, uh, informs us, informs us of an unexpected death. I should have got hooked on phonics for Christmas. 
It's the boss calling us in to tell us that we're fired, unbeknownst to us. It's the doctor telling us that our test came back and the results weren't good. This is the unpredictability of the storms that we face in life. It hits us out of nowhere and leaves us trying to figure out how to just survive the storm. We also see that in the storm, that it's not only unpredictable when it hits, but it's unpredictable on who it hits. In, in our text, the storm hits the boat that Jesus himself is in with his followers. Letting us know that storms don't have any boundaries when it comes to who they hit. That a same storm and tragedy that could hit this person who's living a rebellious life can hit us who's living in pursuit of God. That storms are unpredictable on who they hit. I believe that a storm is more violent for us because we believe this lie that Christians do not face storms. As a Christian, we can rest assured that storms will come because the storms strengthen us. They reveal our weaknesses and they develop our character. As a Christian, we should be on constant guard, understanding that a storm is coming. And when it comes, it wants to reveal some things to us. You know, I can tell you that I'm a better husband because of the storms I've been through. That I am a better person in areas of my life because of the storms that I've went through. If you think following Jesus is about a peace-filled road to heaven, then you've missed what it's all about. Following Jesus is not about a peace-filled road. It's about having peace in the middle of a storm. As 2018 approaches, I can tell you that you will have storms that arise. And it is the characteristic of a storm to be unpredictable. There will not be a flashing neon sign that says the storm is coming. It will happen. And you will be in the midst of that violent storm trying to figure out which way to go next. The second characteristic of a storm is the perceived absence of God. When you've went through a storm, it feels like nobody is there for you, right? Have you ever been through a storm and in the midst of it, you go, there's nobody, I'm all alone. My family's not here. God, where are you? As I was telling you, for three months, there was times that I looked up to the sky and asked God where he was when I needed him the most. I wanted him to save the day. I wanted him to wrap his arms around me and pull me out of the storm. And so instead of realizing that I was to learn something in the midst of it, I was going, God, where are you? You're absent when I need you most. One of the most troubling things in a storm is that we feel all alone. Our perception is that our family, our friends, and God himself have abandoned us when we need him the most. The disciples that were in the boat felt the same exact way. They thought Jesus doesn't even care what we're going through. Jesus was exhausted from ministry. And as he was in the boat, he was so exhausted. We see his human nature is he immediately falls asleep. And he, so, and he seems to not even be interrupted by the storm that's raging. What we find is that Jesus is actually on a preordained mission from the Father to go across the sea. And he's going to encounter probably his most unique ministry encounter where he meets a man who's demon possessed and he casts those demons into a herd of swine and they jump into that very same seat. But Jesus is resting on that journey. But instead of them realizing the exhaustion of this human man named Jesus, their reaction is the same that we have today is panic. They look at him 
And in the verse there it says, And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're a perishing? It would be as though I walked up to Jesus and said, You don't even care that I'm about to die, do you? You're just laying there sleeping. And in the midst of a storm is how we perceive things. We look at God and go, you don't even care that I'm about to die. You don't even care that I'm your child and I'm suffering. And they were asking in the middle of a storm, how can you neglect us? How can you abandon us? Of course, Jesus was not sleeping because he didn't care, but he was resting in his position as Lord. See, we perceive it as he doesn't care when the reality was the very one who created the waves that were crashing and the wind that was blowing was resting in the reality that he controlled those things and that no storm could overtake them as long as he was in control. In the midst of our storms, it's important for us to realize that God isn't absent when we think we need him the most, that he's resting in the assurance that he is teaching us and he can end it at any moment because he is the creator of all things. The creator had no fear of what his creation could do to him. And so he rested. He looked at the storm as he knew it was coming and said, I can sleep knowing that nothing's going to happen because I created this and I can end this. The creator had no fear. What they thought they had in the midst of a storm was a disinterested savior. But what they realized is they had a storm calming Lord. How many times have you been in the midst of a storm and you go, God, you don't even care what I'm going through. And we realize it's not a disinterested Savior. It's a storm calming God. That he's just waiting for the right moment to speak peace into the situation. And it all subsides. But he's not moving at the way that we think he should move. Can I comfort you today by saying whatever you have been through, whatever you are going through, or whatever you will face will be met by your storm-calming Lord. It appeared that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were going to burn in vain. But the king looks at the furnace and he says, didn't we throw three men in there? And Why do I now see a fourth man? The disciples would face another storm on the Sea of Galilee and feel all alone. And who would come walking on the water in the midst of the storm to be there with them? What we find is we don't have a disinterested God in the midst of the storm. We have a God who meets it head on. And he begins to work on our behalf. And we're in the midst of a fire. And we go, God, where are you? And he's right there with us. Or a storm is, is raging in our life. And we go, God, where are you? I need you right now. And here he comes walking through the middle of the storm and says, I'm already ahead of you. I've already worked this out. God is calming the storm. And that's the comfort we have. That's why Jesus could sleep in the middle of the storm. And it's why the reality is that in the midst of a storm, we could lay our heads down too and go, I am in his hands and he has got me and he will keep me and sustain me through this. We feel God has abandoned us or he's sleeping when we need him the most. But what we have seen countless times, God meets us in the midst of our storm. It's not a question of if God is present but do we trust that he's there? Brings me through my third characteristic of a storm is that, a care, that the storm reveals our faith level to us. Jesus immediately points out after being wakened 
And to, after he calms the storm, he immediately points out the lack of faith of the disciples as he calms the water. See, every one of us can fake it in calm waters. I can put on this persona as being the greatest Christian to walk this earth in the midst of a calm water. Right? When I was out deep sea fishing, I had never been before. But if the water was calm, I could have faked it like I was the greatest deep sea fisherman of all time. But when the storm came, it began to reveal who I really was. And it happens in our lives. We can fake it all day long. You can come here every Sunday and fool me all you want to. You can come every Sunday and fool everybody here. I can see you in the grocery store. And you can go, glory to God, I'm having a good day and fool me all you want to. But when a storm comes, it begins to reveal to us who we really are. And the disciples could cope with normal storms quite well. They were used to it. They were fishermen. They were experts in navigating these storms. And so I imagine at first when the storm came, they said, this is no problem. We can handle this. I can do this by myself. No big deal. I think it was probably Peter, James, and John and Andrew in the boat with him. They were the four seasoned fishermen. And I can imagine Peter being the vocal one going, all right, guys, the storm's coming. John, man the front. Andrew, make sure everything's tied down. And when the storm was a little more than they were used to, they began to freak out. And it wouldn't shock me if it was Peter who went to Jesus and go, why are you abandoning us when we need you the most? Because they looked at it and said, not a problem. We can handle this. But this storm brought them to the end of themselves and showed them how they were trusting in themselves and not God. See, the rockiness in a storm is a lot of times we trust ourselves more than we trust God. I go, I can navigate this problem. I've been there before. Oh, a tragedy has hit me. That's fine. I've had tragic moments before in my life. I can handle this. And when you walk to the coffin and you see the person that you love, you go, I can't handle this on my own. This storm is more than what I thought it was going to be. And in that moment, we come to the end of ourselves and we begin to realize the lack of faith that we truly have. It's absurd to think that Jesus was not aware of this storm when they pushed off. So Jesus knew this storm would reveal their weaknesses. Storms often reveal three things to us. First, it reveals our distorted view of a problem. The disciples cried out, Master, Master, we're perishing. They thought they were all going to drown. But, but, but wait a minute. Who was on board with them? It was God's promised Messiah. To think that God's long-awaited Messiah, his messianic kingdom that had been waited on for thousands of years, could sink to the bottom of the Sea of Galilee was absurd. But in their panic, the disciples had a distorted view of what the problem really was. See, not all fear is wrong. But Jesus rebuked the disciples because their fear was excessive. Like there's some fear that's healthy for us. When you, when you walk into a situation and you see there's a crime scene ahead of you and you get a little fearful, that's good. It's going to stop you from making some decision that you regret. Or whenever you set out on a journey and you start getting lost and you get a little fear, that's okay. That fear pushes you to make better decisions. But there is such a thing as excessive fear. And that's what was facing the disciples here was their panic had led to excessive fear. 
But fear that is excessive is wrong because it causes us to panic. And when we panic, we don't clearly think and carefully look at the promises of God. If we're so focused on the problem that we cannot see God's control over it, then we're not trusting in Him, we're trusting in ourselves. And so these storms always reveal our distorted view of a problem. The storms also reveal our distorted views of ourselves. And I know this because I'm a hypercritical person of myself. I love to, to loathe and self-pity and all the things that are wrong. But storms have a way of exposing our self-focus. We can put on a front of caring about others until we realize what it's actually going to cost us. All right, I can care for the needy. But when you come to me and say the needy cost is going to be this much, I'm being a why I can't do that, right? I can look at them all day long until I can't, and then I'll look back at myself. And, and so storms cause us to have this self-focused revelation of who we are. We can't put a front of caring about others until we realize what it's going to cost. And suddenly it's every man for himself. Self-pity is another sure sign that we have a distorted view of ourselves. Anytime we're feeling sorry for ourselves, we're too focused on ourselves, we need to stop and get the big picture of what God is doing. Which brings me to the third thing that our storm reveals. It reveals our distorted view of God. The disciples ask in awe, who then is this? What was their problem they didn't realize who Jesus is. If they had known, they would not have been so amazed at what had happened. But they underestimated his power. And we do the same thing when we panic in a crisis. We try to solve the problem by figuring everything into the equation except the supernatural power of Christ. I can look at a problem and go, okay, if this happens, this happens, this happens, and everything will be good. And what I quickly realized is that in that equation, I have neglected to realize the supernatural power of Christ. Our distorted view of the problem in ourselves clouds our vision so that we fail to see the marvelous person of Jesus Christ. And, and, the, and Mark's account tells us that the disciples also said, Lord, you don't even care that we're perishing in a time of severe trial. It's easy to doubt the Lord's loving care for us. Thus, we often think that we're trusting in the Lord until a storm hits. It reveals to us we're really not trusting him. We see the true measure of our faith in the characteristics of a storm. I want you to, if you're taking notes, I, I want you to write this down. If you don't spend time with the Lord in the calms of life, then you won't know how to trust him in the storms. If you're not spending those calm experiences on your face in prayer, in his word, in fellowship with his people, then when storms hit, you're not going to know how to navigate it with him at your side. The final characteristic of a storm is that it reveals the wonder of God. The disciples had seen Jesus heal. They had seen him do countless miracles, but they marveled when he calmed the storm. See, Jesus did not just stop the wind, which we know happened, but immediately stopped the waves and it became peaceful. When I was reading this, that was something I had always overlooked. If you've ever been in the midst of choppy water, you know that once the wind stops, the water still has to play out the waves before it's able to be peace. But Jesus 
in one instance spoke, and not only did the wind subside, but immediately the water became peaceful. The supernatural power of Jesus is such that with a word, millions of horsepower of wind force is halted. Millions of gallons of water are stopped and made placid at the word of Christ. They became fearful even more so because the fear of the storm did not compare to the realization that God was in their boat. How many times has that happened in the midst of a storm? We're scared, we're panicking, and God does something supernatural, and we begin to marvel at Him, and our fear is overcome with a greater fear of the realization of how powerful God is. Right? I love how Mark says, and even more fear came upon them, meaning that they were fearful of the storm, but when they realized that the God who speaks and calms the storm is in the boat with them, they were overwhelmed with fear. Maybe Psalms 107 came to mind as they realized what Jesus had done. The psalmist says, Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. For He commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They, they mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. And, and were at, the wit, at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still. And the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet. And he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. For his wondrous works to the children of man. When they saw Jesus do this. They reflected back on who God was. And they realized that he was more than what they even thought he was. That the psalmist had told them and other writers had told them in the Old Testament that God was the only one who could calm the storm. And they had just saw it happening. God had calmed the storm. When storms come, as much as it reveals our weaknesses, it affirms the power of God. I, could have not, I couldn't have made it through past storms had I not seen God at work. I could not have begun the journey in a storm had I not known God had brought me through storms in the past. Whatever fears you have in the midst of a storm are calmed when we realize the power of God over the storm. The last letter that Paul wrote was 2 Timothy before he was killed. And the storm would undoubtedly breed fear. But the natural fear was overcome by the greatness of God. And so he's writing this letter. He's in prison. He is going to be executed soon. And he writes in 2 Timothy 1.7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Paul reflected on all that God had done. And saw how wondrous God had been in the midst of the storm. Paul had peace. Every storm brings about these circumstances. It brings fear. It lets us know our faith level. It causes us to question if God is with us. All these characteristics are natural of a storm. But on the other side of the storm is a faith-strengthening miracle that reminds us that God is God over all things. In 2018, you are going to face storms. But can I tell you, 
that God will be there with you. He will go before you. He will calm it when the time is right. He will let you be. He will let you see some of your weaknesses. He'll strengthen them in the process. And in the end, you'll look back at the storm and go, wow, God is really God over all things. Let's pray. God, thank you this morning that you are God over all things. And this morning, God, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, we ask that you help us to prepare for coming storms. That preparation means that we are spending time in your word. We're spending time speaking to you through prayer. God, we're spending time in fellowship with other believers as you strengthen us in the calmness of life. And God, when that storm comes, Lord, as these characteristics come flooding in, help us to be reminded that you're God over whatever that situation is, that you've gone before us, you've jumped into the fire with us, you've calmed the storm before, and you'll calm it again when the time is right. And I pray for each and every person here this morning as they prepare for what's ahead. God, that we would view storms not with regret or with the emotions that we failed you is why we're having it come, but we would see, God, that you're trying to teach us in that moment. God, if tragedy strikes this year, Lord, help us to find strength in you. God, if the doctor gives us a bad diagnosis, help us find strength in you. God, if our employment comes to an end this year, help us find strength in you. God, if our family begins to become broken, help us find strength in you. In whatever storm we may face, that we would find strength in you. God, that we would find the peace to lay down at the stern of the boat and know that you're in control. God, this morning I ask that you be with each and every person. Comfort them, strengthen them, and guide them on their journey. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. So I hope that, um, hope that you are understanding that...